0: Welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Murano Pais. And today we're talking about end of the year reflections. Uh, The year 2021 is coming to a close. I can't believe I'm saying that. It feels like it went by in the blink of an eye. Um, But we thought we would just reflect a bit on this past year especially in terms of our own inner work and our own journeys. Uh, We did podcasts earlier about our Enneagram types, our personal journeys. Uh, I interviewed Uranio, he interviewed me, um, mainly to give people uh, more insight into type, type, type two and type five in terms of you know, understanding the type at a deeper level through our own uh, experiences and reflections, and today is a little bit of a follow-up on that, but it's also a kind of you know summing up of you know what we've been working on this year uh, and uh, what's happened this year, what we've learned. I would say might be a good way to put it. Um, hopefully, as a, a more insight into types two and five, but. There may be insights into other Enneagram aspects as we as we talk. Uh, and also maybe a little bit of looking ahead to 2022 and, and what we might uh, aspire to work on next year. Anything you would add to that in terms of what this conversation might be about, Uranio?
1: So basically, you're asking me to self-disclose. You're asking a <laughs> five to talk, tell everything about himself,
0: right? Yes, and I know that um, you you do us all a service when you uh, courageously self-disclose about your inner process, because we know this can be difficult for fives to tell us what's going on inside of them. Um, and I know we're planning an upcoming um, podcast that we're calling Wives of Fives, Uh, because uh, a lot of people we get at our events uh, are often very grateful to you um, for sharing more about the inner world of the five, because uh, people who are in various kinds of partnerships with fives, who are close to fives, who have fives in their life, uh, are often very interested to learn more about what their experience is, because again, fives can have uh, a difficult time just you know that's just normal uh sharing what's going on inside what they're thinking what their psychological processes are uh, but of course for all of us it helps us to understand the people we're in relationship when they tell us what's going on so so again uh both uh both us kind of sharing our reflections in light of our journeys and 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 our work with the enneagram especially um and so i i I, i'm proactively grateful to you for helping us understand you but especially um the world of the five ah i
1: see and you're asking me to do that in an open microphone to the whole world (laughs) yes ah okay yeah okay Yeah, sounds good. I I actually learned uh, to like uh, to do that. So, yeah, so we're going to be more personal here and uh, talk about our own individual journeys that uh, never stop, um, always have challenges and also beautiful things. And uh, hopefully in our talk, uh, you, our podcast listener, Will be able to get some insights for yourself and also about our types, if not others, as B said. And maybe hopefully we will be inspiring you to do your very own review of the year.
0: So why don't you start us off, Urania? Why don't you um, if you would, uh tell us a little bit about maybe what maybe some of the challenges you've had this year, or some of the learnings you've had this year, or some of what you've worked on in a conscious way this year?
1: Right. I'll do that, B. I'll start. Just a question for you. Do you do you want to hear everything from me and then you say everything, or do you want to go back and forth, you and me?
0: I think it would be good to go back and forth and maybe yeah, share no, thank some you. things. And then you can ask me something and and you won't be the only person self-disclosing here. Let's put it that way. So hopefully that, that makes you a little more comfortable.
1: Right. Okay, good. So, so many things happen at each ear with me. I think I have an intense um, quest and inner journey and sometimes with better results than other times. Um so one of the things that uh, happened to me because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. still being much more in my house than anywhere else and definitely travel traveling less is a little bit of, uh, you know, or a lot of work on my self-preservation instinct. It's related to my repressed instinct. Uh, Not exactly something about the five in me, but more that instinct that doesn't work um, as well as other instincts. And I think I gained a lot of capacity to have routines, to, um, to take care of myself, to be more disciplined... And to, to have, and even you gave me a feedback that I'm more uh, in time for our talks and more. and More,
0: more on time. On time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe I'm not because I, I, I said it wrong. But uh, anyway, I think that, um, yeah, so the, that was definitely a big part of my development work. It wasn't easy because working on the repressed instant isn't. But also I noticed uh, things that I I really didn't have an accurate idea of the impact on me, like how uh, traveling too much affects me because of the jet lag. And this is the kind of thing I believe that some self-press repressed people like me are, um, have as blind spots, uh, because it, it's harder for us to notice and own some consequences of things in our well being. I think that's a fair definition of, um, what was happening with me at least. So not traveling and having a better routine and so, and eating homemade food and, and so, so that was, um, very positive, and even engaging with things like cooking, um, which I did not used to do before.
0: So my self-pressed instinct.
1: And I guess it's your turn.
0: I thought you were working on that last year in 2020 because of the pandemic. We didn't go anywhere. What was different this year than last year, do you think?
1: Well, it's true. Thanks for reminding me. So it was both. Uh, years but i think what was different is another layer of that Um, it's sustaining that thing and maybe a bit more in the medical side and dieting and more you know taking better care in that sense not only the routine thing Um, so it was a a bit more of the same which makes me very um Happy because um, it feels like an achievement um, of something that is not natural for me.
0: So um, before I share something, I want to ask you a little bit more about this work on your self-preservation repressed instinct. I know a lot of people have interest in in what it means to work on the repressed instinct. Uh, So I want to ask a little more about this because and. Full disclosure, um, as I've told you, sometimes I think that when people start to work on the self, uh, on the repressed instinct, sometimes, and I think it's it's good. They work on the stuff that's a little bit easier first, right? And I think that's good. I I, I some I think you it's important not to go right to the hardest things because if it's more challenging, sometimes you get discouraged and you give up the whole project. Um, But I'm wondering if. You've also worked on, or if it's on your radar to work on other things connected to the self-preservation instinct that you didn't mention, things like um, getting more comfortable with adhering to structure and outline and practical details and processes and things like that. Because I think that's another aspect of self-preservation dominant instinct that sometimes people don't think about. I think sometimes people think, oh, it's about, like you said, taking care of yourself, um, getting in a routine, eating right, exercising. Um, And I won't mention exercise in your case. Um, But I wonder what you think about that, like like getting better with not only, say, self-discipline around having a new self-care routine, but but appreciating or making use of structure when you do wor- the work that you do or pra- the practical details of, of, you know, taking care of that things are, are wrapped up or adhered to or practical tasks get done, things like that.
1: So I'm going to give the question back to you. Why don't you give me some kind of feedback on that? When it comes to my work with you and at CP Enneagram Academy,
0: oh, you're very brave. Um, so I would I would say I would say, and again, I uh, full disclosure, there's a little bit of a uh, intention behind that question. I would say that I think you still have some work to do in that respect. I think there's a way that I sometimes see you rebelling against having to adhere to structure like it feels confining for you like i i think that you're a really creative person you you like to think in terms of doing things in innovative ways of um, kind of having a creative vision and having a lot of freedom to follow that which i think is really really good and it's something that really benefits our partnership Uh, but i think sometimes it it it's hard for you to bring your big vision or your creative ideas sort of down to earth and kind of connect them to the practical details. And as I'm talking, it's almost like a little bit sevenish, like the 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 um the challenges that sevens can have sometimes of like uh doing that kind of more structured, detailed implementation work uh, that can sometimes seem boring. Um, that That in my view, like as a self-preservation dominant person, I don't necessarily like that aspect of of work projects, but I I can't help but see the need for it. and kind of those kind of practical structural process details uh, and and following through on those as kind of a necessary thing.
1: Yeah, sevenish or Brazilianish, I'd say. And I think. (laughs) I think you're right, uh, that, uh, I don't think I have evolved much in that, no. And, uh, it seems, sounds like, uh, you would like me to work on that in 2022. <laughs> uh,
0: well, if I'm honest and, uh, and if we're modeling, uh, honest communication and, and feedback, I would say yes. And I think that again, with many of these growth challenges, when we can really meet them, uh, we, we we create a kind a new kind of balance that I think is r- makes us r- even more powerful and more effective in the work we do
1: um, okay yeah i I'll consider that for sure and why don't you share one thing about you now
0: okay um I think that um I um, have experienced a few challenges this year. And, and I want to say before I name a challenge that I, I've really lately been, and this is kind of an inner growth thing, a general thing about our the inner work process, I've really come to see how much it helps me to see every challenge that I experience as a learning opportunity. Um, When I'm able to do that, because I think sometimes when I experience a challenge, I can very quickly go to something negative, like getting really self-critical, like "Oh, I'm failing at this," or "I'll never." This will I'll never. You know, this is maybe a heart type thing, being a two. I I can sometimes go to a a a difficult feeling about what's happening. I'm like, "Oh, I'll never succeed at this," or "I'll never." overcome this challenge or I'll never get better at something that I feel like I'm, I'm falling short in. Um, and of course it's, it never helps the growth process to fall into self-criticism and self-judgment, um, and, and negative feelings about yourself. And so I'm, I've really been noticing how much it helps me if I, if I identify a challenge and instead of getting self-critical, I see like I really focus on what is this challenge bringing me that I can learn from? Um, and when I do that, it it creates first of all, more willingness to engage with the particular aspects of the challenge because as a two, I think one of the things that I can do when something's hard is just start avoiding the situation. Um, and And of course that doesn't help either. So um, one challenge, for instance, that I've been, um, and this is sort of a long-term challenge, but I think that I've engaged with in a new way um, is the, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before, the, the inner conflict I feel between really, really stepping into humility, the virtue of humility connected to two. And I think humility is important for all of us because humility is in some ways the the balancing point or the antidote for being too much in ego um being too identified with our personality being too driven by um, our ego self-interests or our ego biases and so um i've really been um thinking about humility a lot like in everything i do i'm i'm always asking myself these days okay if I was in in a state of humility, how would I be experiencing this, or what would I say from that state? Um, so, humility being something that um, isn't isn't um, you know, as the C.S. Lewis quote says, it's not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. Um, not uh, putting myself down or making myself small because that's what I can do as a self preservation. too, is I can get afraid of being too big or or people seeing me as too arrogant or prideful or whatever it might be competitive um, and really saying okay it's not putting myself down it's what's really going on here and how can I meet the challenge from a place of humility from a place of realistically where what's happening what's my level of of importance what do i need to do here that's not about me uh but that's about me meeting the situation in a way that that allows me to be of service in a more effective way allows me to support others but also puts myself in the picture um and and also allows me to own my own needs and my own feelings and my own interests, um, and doesn't just sort of erase that because I think we twos can kind of go to the other end of the spectrum. It's like, okay, um, I'll just be of service. I just need to be selfless. And I think when we go there too quickly, um, we create other problems because we're not including ourselves. And part of the pride of the two is not owning your needs and speaking them out in a clear way. So anyway, um, being more in humility versus, um, being it more in my power, um, asserting myself when that's a good thing to do, not only for myself, but for other people, um, uh, recognizing when I have a quality or strength that I need to own with confidence so that I can, um, maybe push back on someone or state my opinion in a clear way or, uh, you know, even even push my agenda in a way that is a positive thing, that it's not me just me being pushy or it's not just me um, acting in an unconscious way in, in, in my own self-interest, but is a way of me kind of asserting this is what I see is right. I've thought about this deeply and I'm going to kind of put a stake in the ground. I'm going to um, uh, really assert, you know what i have to bring to the situation that's positive uh, for myself and for others um, so not making myself small um, but really always having a kind of humility in my heart in what i'm doing mm.
1: so all sounds really really good and i think you explained something important especially about self-press juice And I can say that I have been experiencing you as being uh, increasingly uh, powerful. Um, So I think it's working. Now, if I may come back to the first thing that you said about, you know, learning from hardship in life and from our own mistakes and not reacting. I think there is a general thing there, B, that all of us need to learn, and it sounds like very good inner work from you, which is um, not reacting uh, as much to things that happen to us, but uh, taking them in and going with the flow and so. But I'm wondering uh, if there is also another thing about shoes that you're also being very successful in working on, but you'll tell me. Uh, and that is sometimes, you know, people who are very self-critical are a little proud of themselves because it's as if they, they think they can achieve very high standards or superior standards than others, and they feel disappointed when they don't or, or when they make mistakes. So I'm wondering if there is something for choose uh, in the, in the message of what you're doing. It's like, sometimes choose think they are not fallible and, uh, they can, they can, uh, be disappointed when they don't do something. But what do you think? Does this make sense or not?
0: Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I think, I think you're right. I think, I mean, many types can be self-critical, but I think when twos are self-critical, it's, there is this kind of underlying unconscious assumption going on that something along the lines of, I I can and should be perfect. Uh, and so if, if what I'm doing isn't perfect or other people don't like it 100%, or I'm getting some sort of disapproval from the world, then... I have to criticize myself because I've failed somehow. Um, And I think think that's a very subtle thing that twos have uh, that is behind self-criticism. It's like, well, if you don't like what I did or you don't like something about me, then that's a failure because there's an expectation I have that I may not fully be conscious of that I can be all things to all people, that I can be the perfect friend to you or the perfect whatever. Um, and so if I've done something wrong, it's I have to beat myself up until I get it right and then I'll get back to perfection. And I think it's those per- standards of perfection that we need to give up on and that we need to see as part of the pride that that even the sense that we can or should Somehow be you know above reproach or doing things flawlessly. Uh, I think for twos, it's really great for us to, in, in some ways, embrace our humanity uh, and embrace our fallibility and and almost shift that expectation to. Of course, we're not going to get everything right, you know, and that's okay. And we shouldn't be putting that pressure on ourselves in the first place, because I think it's also when we put that pressure on ourselves that we it makes it harder for us to just be ourselves. And I think that's really the um, the goal for us twos. So although I've heard um, to say, you know, you know, yeah, the advice is just be yourself. Well you know, well, how do I do that? You know, (laughs) that's a taller order. It's harder than, than it sounds. Um, but I think it, it makes it hard for us when we, when we implicitly believe we have to uphold these perfect standards. And again, the standards come from what we think other people think we need to be, you know? And so I think it's, it's, We need to learn less to go from the outside in and and be more with ourselves on the inside and decide for ourselves how we want to be and what we need to be and uh, and give ourselves a lot of room uh, to be who we want to be and to do what makes us feel good about ourselves. And I think this is something that I continue to work on also. This connects to another challenge, which is being okay if everybody's not liking me. You know, And I, and I think um, something that has uh, been an ongoing, also an ongoing project, but but something I've learned more about this year is how important it is to be open to feedback, but how hard that is as a two. And it's hard for everyone, I think. But as a two, it's like, as soon as you hear there's feedback, on the one hand, I really want the feedback because I do want it to, I, I want I, I want to hear what I have to learn to to do better in general, especially on the growth path, not not necessarily do better in terms of being perfect for others, but in terms of what I'm doing at a deeper level. Um, and so I really, really want the feedback, but I immediately have it, and I'm glad you brought up that sense of not reacting. There's a kind of reaction that comes up of, oh, it's gonna be negative, it's gonna make me feel bad. And so I have to not let I I, I can't look, you know. Um, and so I think I'm getting better at being more open to feedback and, and seeing it in a more balanced way, like not taking it so much to heart that, that I think it's some like ultimate judgment on, on my, uh, on my worth. Uh, but seeing it as, as important information about how I can take in, uh, you know, Information from the outside world about what, how, how I'm being experienced and what I can do better. Now, I do think sometimes, you know, when the feedback comes, I, it's something I already know. And that can be hard because it's like, oh, I already know and I'm working on that. It's just going to take me more time to kind of really act on that. Uh, but I think I have gotten better. And I, and I really like that you put, pointed out that not reacting is something that all of us can work on. And of course we will react. So using uh, that muscle of self-observation to notice, okay, to slow things down and say, oh, I'm having a a reaction, a knee-jerk reaction that I need to slow down and just observe and be with instead of act on. And so I, I do think I've gotten better at noticing my reactivity and slowing it down but of course when i'm under stress i think uh i can still get reactive so what else what else have you learned this year
1: Uh, yeah thank you for sharing by the way and uh, well another thing uh, from my side i had a very intense process both Uh, alone and in my therapist with my dear therapist uh, in um, working on being a a Brazilian immigrant in the UK. And I got in touch with a lot of uh, issues that all immigrants everywhere um, have as, uh, as I listen from many students and also as I read a lot about that. And it was incredible because I didn't know how much impact I was feeling from the immigrant condition. But then I connected dreams that I started having after I moved to the UK to all of these uh, theme, And uh, again, with the help of my therapist, I started integrating all of that a bit more and also... You know, be when fives like me, they feel that they they are detached from something. Simply that, like I was feeling detached, a bit detached from my home country lately. But uh, many times when I dig deeper, I see that actually there is uh, some sort sort of uh, bigger pain that uh, existed around that and you know maybe things like missing so much and uh, because of emotional isolation not feeling that I miss but not, not only that feeling that I don't miss it's like isolating myself from difficult feelings it's like in actuality, fives can be extremely sensitive. And because of that, they decide to be insensitive. You know, so I, when it comes to this theme, my home country and being an immigrant, I believe I unveiled many important things for my quest and my psychological, most of all, uh, inner work. And I'm very grateful for this process. It was hard many times during the year but um it's paying off and um yeah and i know it's important
0: hi if you're enjoying the depth of knowledge offered in this podcast you might want to stay in touch with us b and Woodanyu offer professional enneagram training personal development courses self-guided online courses and they even have a membership platform with over 100 hours of content head to cpenneagram.com podcast to learn more well, thank you for sharing that. I think it um, it it reminds me of a few different things. One is just the role of culture and the role of our connection to our our culture, our our native land. Um, it's so important, I think. And uh, one of the things that was a real gift to me this year is. One of the ways we got around not traveling as much in terms of working together is that I stayed with you and your family for two months of the year this year, right? For June and November. And I was so grateful and touched um, to be welcomed into your home the way I was and really learned a lot about Brazilian culture and in, in having the, the, the great opportunity to be with you and your family and um and and i think it's it's one of the things i loved about it was being immersed in another culture and just it reminded me of just there's so many different ways of doing things and ways of being uh that we take for granted that come from our home culture um and and so i think that's a really important thing and what you're talking about that immigrant experience i know i did some work with a team this year at a big big um You know, international company. And one of the guys um, that spoke in, in one of the team sessions we had said that a lot of his experience of his career and his job had to do with the fact that he was from South America. And that, in some ways, even in this international company, sometimes he worried he would get pigeonholed as being the guy who was handling certain kinds of issues because of uh, because he was an immigrant and because you know, in some ways, he has the the skill and the strengths of having uh, being multilingual and having knowledge of another country. Uh, but how he also saw how that could limit him, um, and and so I think that's. Uh, you know, and, and it's such an important thing, I think, in the world today, in uh, how culture enters into political division and, and a lot of the um, larger global issues that are happening. Um, and so I think that's such an important topic to be more and more aware of, both for ourselves personally and also collectively, as, especially as we do Enneagram work with people uh, from different cultures. Um, and I also heard that there may be something really important about your social dominant instinct there. Um, and I know that you, you teach us a lot about um, how the social instinct shapes your perspective. Uh, and so I can imagine there's uh, a lot going on there for you in terms of all that you shared.
1: Yes, definitely. The social instinct is big time behind all that. And it was quite interesting to explore that facet of this subject. And I just want to say that it was absolutely lovely to have you here in our home. And I'm very glad you survived the Brazilians.
0: <laughs> One of the things that was so funny to me is, um, is how how much uh, like yelling there is through the house that isn't in any way hostile or negative. (laughs) You know, it reminded me of my, um, uh, one of my father's uh, sisters, her family, she was married to an Italian man and she, they had a big family of Italians and it was similar. It was a similar experience. There is like, you know, a lot of yelling at to people from different parts of the house or yelling about things, and then I would kind of come together with you guys after there was some some intra house yelling, but everyone's really happy and okay with each other. <laughs> like there's no problems, there's no conflict. Uh, the yelling wasn't any sign of of discord. It was more just uh, the normal way of communicating. And I have to say, I kind of appreciated it. It was sort of refreshing. Uh, to to kind of experience uh, just the real full-heartedness and the love uh, that that is in your family and your culture.
1: As I said, I'm glad you survived.
0: And, and And maybe that's also a window into how you may not be the average everyday Western five, you know that, that there, there is elements of our culture that that also shape how how our personality expresses itself.
1: I sometimes say that I have two subtypes, social and Brazilian.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. So what about you? Why don't you share another thing about you?
0: So I would say another thing that I've been, uh, looking at lately is, is, um, I mean, it sounds a little boring to say it this way, but work life balance in some ways, um, and I think, in one way, I'm so lucky to have such meaningful work that I get to do every day. And I absolutely love every minute of it. And um, I think because, you know our our Enneagram school is growing, the Enneagram is growing. Um, this year, I got uh, more and more regular requests to do leadership development work, team development work. Um, I think one of the things the pandemic has done is 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 it's brought a greater awareness to people everywhere of the need for self development, the need for support the need for counseling or growth work to just deal with the added stress. And it's sort of like pe- people who may have uh, ignored their psychological health, their development, it's almost like you can't ignore that anymore because the world has changed and there are new stresses. And so, for instance, every every really good therapist I know is totally full you know, a lot of the coaches I know that are really good are full. And so it's like people are seeking help. And I think that's a really, really, it's like a big positive that's come out of this very difficult time. Um, and I'm really glad that people are seeking help. And so being in a helping profession, uh, like I am, like we are, um, it's been a really busy time and in a really good way. Like I'm so happy about that on one level because it's like, People are starting to deal with their stuff. Um, And so it's been great. And um, I, like I said, I love, love, love doing every aspect of the work I get to do. And um, I I noticed that I can lose myself in the work, in the busyness. Um, I often say that I think when people think that people who work really hard and have a hard time stopping have to be threes, Uh, But I think there are a lot of types that can do that. And I think twos are one of them. I think twos um, can also feel very driven in their work. And, and, you know, the motivation is slightly different, of course. But it's sometimes been hard for me to take a break from work and get present. And I've really been noticing that. Like I noticed uh, that, wow, my meditation practice has fallen off. Wow, I'm not making any time for that. Uh, and, you know, you live in London, I live in San Francisco. And so my work day and I, I'm not a, I'm not the morning person in terms of I don't like like to get up really early and start going. It takes me a while to get going in the morning, but you and I need to start working often very early in the morning because you know 7 a.m. my time is 3 p.m. your time uh, and you don't want to work uh, all the way late into the evening. And so there's a certain uh, sort of period of hours that we can work together. Um, so my day often starts at 6.30 a.m. or 7, which wouldn't probably be how it would be normally if I didn't have a, a, an international business partner. Um, but so what happens is I used to meditate first thing in the morning. So now I don't do that because I start working. And if I'm not careful, I can work from 7 a.m. all the way up until 6 or 7 p.m. without, without stopping much. Uh, and again, par- for as a two, I will say that part of the pressure of that is I look to what needs to be done so I can be doing everything I need to do to respond to the people that I need to respond to, to support the people I need to support, to... Um, and so, um, if if I if I'm not careful, though, you know, those needs to respond, to check email, to do all the things I need to do to um, keep things going in terms of what I need to do to do my work, and, and especially the work in supporting others. I really I, I notice I can lose myself quite easily. I don't leave time for meditation. I'm, I'm a little bit better about leaving, leaving time for exercise, I, I, I feel like I've got a little bit of um, something I get, I think I get from my type one father where I really need to move, I need to get outside every day. Um, it's been hard this week, for instance, because I'm sick, I'm getting over a bad cold, it's not COVID, it's a bad cold. Um, and I haven't been able to exercise. And went, when I got back to California in early December, I was looking forward to getting back to my normal exercise routine, and I haven't been able to do that. And so um, it, I notice it's hard for me to kind of stick to, and again, even as a self-preservation dominant, my self-care routines. But in this case, it's not a lack of self-preservation instinct. It's more the type two influence Uh, that in that, that leads me to just notice what's the next thing I have to do on my to-do list or what's the next email I need to respond to. And I've been late in responding to someone. What's the next thing I need to do for what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. And I can really lose the space I need, especially to, to get present um, and I've really been uh, this year spending a lot more time studying um, things like, uh, I've mentioned this before, Eckhart Tolle's work, um, some of the work of, the, of Christian mysticism. Um, I've been trying to leave a lot of room for my, you know, sort of pursuing and deepening a lot of my spiritual interests. Um, I've, got, I've worked with a coach this year. And um, and even so, it's it's it, it's something that I'm really working on now, and I think I'm gonna need to work on even more in the new year in different new ways of how do I always make sure every day I'm carving out time to do what I need to do, whether it's meditation or prayer or, sitting quietly or more yoga, or I would love to get like a Tai Chi practice where I am really sitting in stillness. I am really get strengthening and maintaining that ability to, uh, to be in a state of presence in a, in getting in touch with my inner being uh, getting in touch with um, the higher part of myself, which I think can only be done when we stop, uh, when we really make time to get present in different ways, and so that's been a real challenge for me this year. And it's and especially when we get busy, I can too easily uh, rationalize how there's no time. Uh, but I, I really, from the point of view of my inner work, I can't allow that to happen because um, it it throws everything else off track. And it and and when I'm not present, it it that's when I lose my ability to catch myself in, in, in reactivity. And when I, when that paradox of staying in humility, but expressing myself and my power and, and acting in positive ways on, uh, on owning what I know and enacting that in the world, when that paradox gets thrown off into uh, something that doesn't work, like making myself small or overworking or feeling competitive or Getting self-critical.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for sharing again, B. And is it okay if I ask you a question about that? Absolutely, yes. Um, I had an impression when you stayed here with us um, during this time that it was easier for you to uh, stop a bit more and to you know have more uh, downtime than it is when you are alone. And I'm wondering if it's a little bit of my influence because I usually can do that sort of easily or if it's something more about choose being alone and that being uncomfortable and then working more or if it's none of these.
0: Yeah, I do think it was easier for me when I was staying with you for a few reasons one is i'm out of my normal routine um and for instance um you know a lot of a lot of the people i do work with um are in california or even the east coast of the us right so in the morning in the uk there wasn't really any appointments that i could have because that's the middle of the night for people in the U.S. So there was a way that the mornings in, in, when I was in London just weren't filled up with anything, um, which is right there. And, it, and for a self-preservation dominant person, I think when there is that kind of shift in schedule or routine, it has an impact. Uh, I also think there were times of the day when you were tied up working with your some clients that you work with, and I would take that as an opportunity to take a walk, you know, Um, And I think when I'm in a different place, I like to just kind of walk around and just be there and and soak it in. Um, And it's it's weird. It's like when I'm somewhere else and not in my own routine, it feels a little bit more like being on vacation, or I think I feel more justified, like taking time off. Uh, So I think there are a lot of things. But here's the funny thing. As you were saying that, I started criticizing myself. Like, oh, but there were all these things I neglected, you know, there are all these things that I didn't do, you know, or, or I realized when I got back that I hadn't gotten back to someone or I hadn't, uh, I had delayed something that I, that I had said I would de- do, you know, so it's really hard to, um make that space but at the same time i think one of the reasons why i like traveling and why i like staying in other places for periods of time is it's a little bit like forcing me out of that um that that routine orientation that can be too rigid if i if i'm not sort of questioning it and actively consciously shaking it up
1: yeah very interesting thank you
0: So what else? What what else have you maybe felt challenged by this year, learned this year, felt good about this year? So
1: sometimes I say that people don't really know the other side of fives when fives, for instance, feel lonely or feel too sensitive. And I think I, I face lots of uh, challenges like this. I've been feeling my emotions more than any other time in my life and i know how hard it is and i have even more respect for you and for all hard types now and uh, at the same time i felt uh, more the loneliness uh, in different ways well first a little bit of um, emptiness mainly because of my older son, 21, who doesn't live with us anymore. And, uh, you know, and he's not too close to me as he used to be. Maybe it's age. And, uh, but I allowed myself to feel into all that pain. And uh, it was very, very hard. And also a little bit with my daughter, who's, becoming a teenager and therefore you know much closer to friends than to us and she was very very close to me so i had to face all that and at the same time you know just i noticed how uh, going into those feelings allows me to enhance my connections in life and even to clients like i i I have one uh, corporate client from Brazil that is absolutely great. And, um, um, and, and it gives me the opportunity to work with people of my own culture and in my native language, Portuguese. But I, I I noticed because I hadn't been doing as many corporate uh, jobs in the last few years, especially after I moved, um, I noticed how I feel more connected to each person I talk to, how I'm more there for the person, and how how I'm more connected with my heart when I do work. And that's very different. Um it, it feels very different. So definitely my my task and my challenge, but also my path is working more from my heart and keeping my heart open uh, despite uh, the fact that it feels very uh very difficult
0: Mm, i really appreciate you doing that work and i i really agree that it it creates a lot of possibility for deepening your connections um when you do that so you know, on behalf of one of the connections in your life, I really, really appreciate that. I think I've experienced you as being more open um, and more available, especially in the past few months. uh, And I really, really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thank you. What about you, B? Anything else you would like to say?
0: I think it feels like there's one more thing. I think one of the things that I know, you know, has been challenging for me this year um, that I'm starting to feel better about now is that, you know, you and I have been building this Enneagram school for the last few years. And anytime you're in the early phase of building something, you know, there are things that aren't aren't where you want them to be yet, right? Because it takes time uh, for things to be built and to the point where they're reflective of the vision that you had for what they can be. Um, and I think um, just as a natural part of the the development process, um, we have, you know, been working really hard to, to get our courses, our programs, our our um, just just everything we're doing in line with where we would like it to be. And I think as a two, there's something that i'm I'm often deeply uncomfortable uh, when I feel like, things aren't where, and I think this also has to do with me having, um, a one influence as well. There's a deep discomfort where if it feels like something is not where I want it to be yet, uh, and there can be a kind of impatience about that. Uh, and, and so I think, um, I've felt, uh, discomfort around, um, things that maybe aren't working as well as they could yet, or, um, something that we want to have in place that isn't in place yet. And, and especially as a two, the impact that may have on people. Uh, And that's something that is always kind of with me um, and a a source of, um, of feeling a little bit ill at ease. Um, But I'm, and this is one of the reasons why I'm really appreciating you is I think we've really been working together as a team uh, well lately to really, see what we need to do to um really continue and and complete that building process to the point where what we're doing matches our vision of what we wanted to do um and so part of that i think for me as a two is um is being more patient is being more understanding is tolerating um the experience of uh not being able to um to meet the needs of all the people in the way i would like to just because it's not possible yet uh it's a it's a building process um but i'm really excited because i i i know that we uh have a great team and that we're really working together to uh fully enact our vision uh in the way that we really uh have dreamed of
1: i'm very excited to and thank you for all that B.
0: Anything else you want to share about anything at all any and any last reflections about this year or um whether it's about your process or about the Enneagram work or 2021. Yeah.
1: Maybe you can sh- briefly share two things um, one is that uh I don't make a secret that I fight depression in my life. And I had some amazing moments this year that was were sustained, really, for long times, like weeks or months, that I experienced life constantly without depression. And that was amazing and feeling, you know, very diff- different uh, good things uh, in its place and then i I fell down a bit more uh, uh, but uh, i'm i felt really encouraged by that and i know that uh, the future um, brings me uh, a lot of opportunities to cope with that and the second thing just to mention is that i noticed be that uh, with my spiritual references and guides i noticed something the five in me which is um, a tendency to disconnect also from those connections and uh, I'm, i started uh, really looking closely to disconnection and what is behind for fives like me and it's pain it's it's a lot of uh, fear of losing the connection because i wasn't feeling as connected then i it's like disconnecting first so that i don't feel disconnected by uh, that those um references and but they're super important so uh, i'm back to a struggle in staying connected and and you know feeling the pain and so but um, ultimately, this was a very rich process uh, that I'm trying to uh, to learn from.
0: I really appreciate all you're doing um, in that respect. And I want to say that there were there have been a couple of times when you've opened up and talked to me about um, some of what might be the source of your depression. And I just really, really appreciate that. Um I know that's not easy and doesn't always occur to you to do. And, you know, I I believe that it's that when we talk to someone else that we trust, often a lot comes from that. Um, And so I really appreciate your courage and and I consider it a big honor that that when you share with me. So I, I want to appreciate you for doing that. And I just want to say a couple last things, I think, just about the year 2021, um, maybe for me and for a lot of us. First of all, we did our first in-person retreats in October uh, after over a year and a half. And um, that felt amazing. Um, they, They weren't super spreader events, so we did them safely and... Uh, it was just so nice to be with people. Uh, a lot of people who I had only ever seen before on a Zoom screen with a square frame around their faces. Um, so it was amazing to be back with people. Um, and I also think there's a theme that I've come to to notice this year, and that is, you know, in this second year of the pandemic, when we thought, oh, we keep kind of thinking there's we're going to get to a place where it's over. We're going to get to a place where we can, quote unquote, go back to normal. Um, And of course, I think a lot of us know it will never be the same kind of normal again. Uh, But I think what I'm starting to a little bit get used to is the kind of expecting the unexpected. Um, uh, Kind of not necessarily having that sense of okay i'm gonna go we're gonna go back to a a time when it's or feel safe and we can do what we did in the past it's i've almost kind of recognized okay i think we need to be open to the evolution of uh, what's happening in a way that we learn to kind of go with the flow and uh, do what we can to be safe but at the same time um expect the unexpected and um be be more flexible to adjust as we go, um, instead of seeing this as something that's going to have a particular endpoint or uh, is going to get to a place that we can really envision ahead of time.
1: Yeah, very nice. To be yeah, I I agree that that was a big learning, and I absolutely loved uh, teaching live. Also, again. We had to relearn a few things, you know. It felt like, oh, you know, oh yeah, we can do this and that when we are live. Mm-hmm. It's like right. remembering, and it was right. lovely. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so we, ho- I hope we can do a mix of of in person and online going forward, um, because there are benefits to both. Yeah. So I think that's our end of year reflection for December, 2021. And we really, really appreciate you being with us and listening to this podcast. And um, we look forward to more explorations in 2022.